In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the good news we proclaim today is that as we enter into the wilderness of Lent, remember that we do not go alone. Jesus has gone ahead of us into the wilderness and has defeated the powers that seek to destroy God's good creation, transforming the wilderness by his presence into a holy place, a place where God lives, a place of communion with God. So don't be afraid, beloved. In the midst of the temptations and the wild beasts that you face, breathe deep and rest in God's care for you today. For Mark, we're reading a lot from the beginning of Mark here, um, at the beginning of our year in the lectionary. We're going to be spending a lot of time in Mark. And we've already read some of these passages. We read about the baptism um, earlier this year, and we also read Jesus' announcement of the gospel earlier this year. But we haven't read is what's sandwiched right in between those things, which is just of three brief sentences that Mark gives us about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And so for Mark, this is one story, kind of two parts of one story. Jesus is baptized into the Jordan River, and what's happening there is nothing less than the creation of a new humanity. Jesus is ending his participation in the structures and the values of the world system that he comes from. He is renouncing and dying to the old order as he plunges beneath the waters and then rises as the prototype of a new humanity. As the heavens are torn open and the spirit descends and God affirms the identity and vocation of the human one. And immediately, this is the second part, that's the first part, Mark tells everything such short little segments. You blink once and you miss it. The second part is that immediately the spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness to be confronted by the ruler of the world that he has just renounced. So in this brief story, Mark is actually setting up his whole gospel to be an apocalyptic conflict between Jesus and Satan over the fate of the world. That's what Mark is saying here. This is what's happening. And in this first battle, instead of zooming in as Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel do, Mark zooms out. And we see the spirit-driven Jesus off in the distance, but we can't hear anything. We don't know exactly what happens according to Mark. All we can see is what Mark tells us. Four things. One, the spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. Two, Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness. Three, there are wild beasts with Jesus in the wilderness. And four, there are angels in the wilderness ministering to Jesus. Those things will be important for Jesus and they're important for us. But before we get into that, just need to say that what Jesus accomplishes in the wilderness forever transforms the wilderness. This is because whatever Jesus does, he transforms. Whatever Jesus touches, he transforms. And so in the, in the waters of baptism, Jesus isn't having his sins washed away. Jesus is transforming the waters. Now water is blessed because Jesus touched it. In going into the wilderness to face temptation, Jesus has transformed the wilderness. By entering into this apocalyptic, apocalyptic conflict, Jesus is re writing and redeeming Israel's story by reliving it faithfully. 
The Spirit hovering over the waters of the Jordan evokes the Spirit hovering over the waters of creation. The dove alighting on Jesus evokes the dove released from Noah's ark after the flood when the world was created anew under the sign of the enduring covenant between God and every living being of all God's creatures, of all earth's creatures. Jesus coming through the waters of the Jordan is leading a new exodus out of slavery to the old order and into the freedom of a new humanity as God's beloved people. And Jesus battling temptation in, and the fallen systems of this world for 40 days in the wilderness evokes Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But where Israel stumbled and wandered in sin and rebellion and distrust, Jesus withstands the temptations of Satan and he overcomes the ruler of this world. And so in reliving Israel's story, Jesus enters into the depths of humanity's fear and pain and suffering, all of our grief and our regret, also our joy, our consolation, and ultimately on the cross itself, Jesus enters into our final enemy, death itself, seeing it, feeling it, knowing it, experiencing it fully, and in doing so transforms all of it from the inside making it all holy, making all of it a place where God lives. And so because Jesus has entered into our experience so fully, so deeply, so comprehensively, so unconditionally, his experience and ours become forever intertwined. What happens to us happens in Jesus. And what happens in Jesus happens to us. St. Augustine put it this way, the word became what we are so that we might become what he is. So I say all that because Jesus' experience in the wilderness becomes an archetype now of our wilderness experiences. So we will find ourselves driven into the wilderness, driven into wildernesses we didn't choose. We will be tempted by Satan to distrust love in the wilderness. We will be threatened by wild beasts in the wilderness. We'll talk about what that means. <laughs> and we will find angels in the wilderness sent by God to take care of us. So as we enter into the wilderness of Lent, beloved, remember that we do not go alone. Jesus has gone ahead of us and defeated the powers that seek to destroy God's good creation, transforming the wilderness by his presence into a holy place, a place where God lives a place of communion with God. So don't be afraid, beloved. In the midst of the temptations and the wild beasts that you face, breathe deep, rest in God's care for you today. So first of all, Jesus, we, we learn from this text that the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. The text that we read said forces Jesus into the wilderness. Well, what a strong word. With the divine blessing still ringing in his ears and his clothes still sopping wet from baptism, the Spirit forces Jesus, drives Jesus, compels Jesus out into the wilderness. Jesus doesn't choose the wilderness. He's driven into the wilderness. And like Jesus, our wilderness experiences, experiences of weakness, limitation, suffering, are almost always things that we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves. We always find them foisted upon us, don't we? 
We never choose the wilderness. Not being able to find work that pays your bills. Your spouse changing without you or not wanting to change with you. Finding yourself wishing for a spouse but still single. Receiving a diagnosis that changes your life in unwelcome ways. Depression or anxiety that come out of nowhere and sit on your chest like an anvil that you can't pray or medicate away. Jesus was driven into the wilderness, beloved, and we will find ourselves driven into the wilderness. It's part of what it means to be human. Second, in this unchosen wilderness, Jesus is tempted by Satan. Mark doesn't tell us the content of these temptations, but later in the gospel we see what Jesus was tempted by. He's tempted to distrust the identity and the vocation that were given to him and his baptism by God, to compromise himself and his mission by taking matters into his own hands instead of trusting his Father to work through his limitations, his weaknesses, his vulnerability. And thus, it is the same for us, that these wildernesses that we find ourselves driven into will always involve temptation. In the midst of our lack our weakness, our disappointment, our suffering, we're always going to be tempted to believe that God is untrustworthy, that God really doesn't have our best interest at heart. Our minds are flooded with stories of why bad things are happening and why our prayers don't seem to be availing much. Maybe God's punishing me for something I did. Maybe God doesn't care as much for me as he cares for others. Maybe God doesn't really see, isn't really listening, doesn't really care at all. Maybe there really is no such thing, no loving presence sustaining all things. Maybe I'm all alone. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, beloved, and we will be tempted in the wilderness. Third, the text tells us that Jesus was among the wild animals in the wilderness. Wild animals or beasts, wild beasts here, is a common apocalyptic euphemism for ungodly political power inspired and directed by the invisible authorities and powers that our reading from 1 Peter indicated are present, that Jesus has defeated, but nevertheless are still present. And so what Mark is saying when he says that Jesus was among the wild beasts, probably he was among some wild beasts out there in the wilderness. It's wilderness after all. But what Mark is trying to say to us theologically is that what Jesus was confronting was the invisible created powers that have, been that have been corrupted by evil, that are behind the oppressive political structures and systems of the world. When we talk about mammon, this is what we're talking about, an invisible power that lies behind the way the world works. And so the wilderness often, just as it did for Jesus, will often bring us into close proximity with the threatening presence of these invisible powers that run the world. It says later in 1 Peter, later than the passage that we read today, your accuser, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So Jesus was with the wild beasts in the wilderness and beloved, in our wildernesses, we will be present to the wild beasts as well. 
But there's a fourth thing that Mark tells us about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. This all sounds like bad news, doesn't it? <laughs> Welcome to Lent. <laughs> no, but there's good news here, friends. I love this sentence. There's angels in the wilderness as well, ministering to Jesus, sent by God to take care of Jesus. So in the middle of this epic apocalyptic battle with Satan, wild beasts lurking, there are angels sent by God to sustain Jesus and provide for him. The angels are not sent to remove Jesus from the wilderness. The angels are sent to sustain him in the wilderness. And beloved, the same is true of us because remember, our life is tied together with Jesus' life now. God sends angels to care for us in the wilderness. Sometimes that will feel like finding the strength to live another day when you didn't think you'd had it a few minutes ago. Sometimes that sounds like an encouraging word from a friend or a hand on your back or the presence of a loved one. But you can be sure that God will send angels to take care of you in the wilderness. God does not prevent us from going into the wilderness, but God is with us to sustain us in the wilderness. Yes, Satan is there tempting us. The wild beasts are there threatening us. But so are the angels, and so is God. Jesus has made the wilderness a place where God lives, a place of communion in the midst of danger. And this is all true for us because it's true for Jesus. He endures and thus overcomes the ruler of this world. Jesus establishes God's empire in the wilderness. And after John was arrested, our text says, Jesus comes into Galilee and announces the good news of God, saying, now is the time. Here comes God's empire. Adjust your lives to this wonderful new situation. That's my paraphrase. And thus, as our reading from 1 Peter affirms, your salvation, beloved, comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at God's right side. Now that he has gone into heaven, he rules over all angels, authorities, and powers. And because we are in Christ, that is what your baptism means. We are in Christ. The words ringing in Jesus' ears are being spoken to us every second of every minute of every day, even in the wilderness, especially in the wilderness. You are my child whom I dearly love, in you I find happiness. So beloved, what wilderness do you find yourself driven into right now? What temptations do you face right now? What wild beasts lurk around you right now? Remember that you're not alone. Jesus has gone ahead of you and defeated the powers that seek to destroy God's good creation. And he has transformed the wilderness, your wilderness, by his presence into a holy place where God lives, where you can commune with God. So don't be afraid, beloved, in the midst of the temptations and the wild beasts that you face. You can breathe deep and rest in God's care for you today. The angels are here, and they're all around, and they're ministering to you. So let us now respond to this good news in prayer, either silently or out loud. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.